Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. Creativity as a role and actually is, in my humble opinion, the most powerful force alive when used in the right way. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure to welcome you, Keith. I'm happy to say that whilst you were famous before, one of the great additions to my life in the last year was the opportunity to put a name and a face together with Keith Cartwright. When we first chatted, I had a Renee Zellweger moment when I said you had me at hello. (laughs) And you did, because I just think your energy and your creativity and just the Keith Cartwright of it all is a good place to be, particularly for somebody like myself who respects those who kind of step out and make that move. And, you know, it's about a year ago, you left a comfortable spot at 72 and sunny. And while we both live in Los Angeles, we know that that just is what it is. Mm -hmm. And the two things in Los Angeles that haven't changed are it is generally 72 and sunny, number one. And number two, when people tell you, direction somewhere and you say, how long will it take me to get there? They still say 10 minutes. You know, at least one of those is not true. But taking a move like that from a perch that you had to create Cartwright and do it in the context of WPP with them as your partner and in the world of uh, AKQA and Gray, you found yourself in such an interesting position. And it came at such a unique moment. I just got to ask you the question as an entrepreneur to another entrepreneur, what was kind of appealing to you at this moment in a time when everybody was kind of happy to just stay where they were? Maybe Mm -hmm. you took that bold move and broke out. Was there any particular reason, Keith, or and how did the world around us, you know, pandemic and the like influence you? Yeah. You know, uh, first of all, Michael, thank you for having me. and, And those accolades coming from you means a whole lot. Because uh, mutually, uh, you've been a, a name without a face, and it's so good to meet you. You know, the, the thing about starting this company and this business, you know, it was before the pandemic hit. So the inspiration was based in, in, in an innate feeling that I think all entrepreneurs sort of have, which is you humbly, but in some ways foolishly or, or, or with a certain level of bravado, feel like you can do it better. And when you have that idea and that vision, it's not passing, right? It stays with you. And, you know, sometimes that feeling gets in the way of working for someone else. It's not malicious. And it's not that you're trying to show up your boss or anything like that. You just see it differently. And I think anyone who's an inventor or an entrepreneur or anyone who who has a vision They have to go and do it and try it. You said something that I have to jump in and interrupt for a moment because there's a famous theologian named Hillel Mm -hmm. in the Jewish religion. And of the many quotes that are attributed to him, one that we've all used in different ways, and you just actually said it, if not me, who? And if not now, when? And so I I don't mean to get biblical here, but you, you basically said that. Yeah. I know I'm ready and this is the time. 
So again, if not me, who, and if not now, when, that's what you just said. That's exactly right. And that's what sparked it for me. You know, I, I felt like it was time for me to give it a shot. And I did it before the pandemic. The pandemic hit. I started in January. The pandemic hit, let's just say January to March. It really got nasty in March. It was our first real engagement. Up until that point, I'm, I'm looking for chairs and tables. But in March, we finally got a client who was ready to get to work. It was an LVMH client. They were out of Milan. And we were literally about to get on a plane when the first report came out that there was a massive spread of COVID-19 in Milan. Well, what's funny, Keith, my, my first acknowledgement of the pandemic being something to worry about, I had a scheduled meeting with a woman by the name of Kristen O'Hara, mm-hmm. who's chief communications officer at Hearst. And her office called my office on March 4th Mm -hmm. and said, Kristen has to cancel because she's got to be in quarantine. I hadn't heard that word yet because she just came back from the fashion shows in Milan. And it was on the Wednesday, March 4th. So a week before the lockdown. And I went, whoa, really? Yeah. Okay. We got to pay attention here. Anyway, it's so funny you said that because that was Milan because everything in Northern Italy was so on fire then. And and it was like, whoa, this is, this is is something we got to be a little more serious about here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you when that happened, I was like, man, I I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get this thing started. The world is on fire. I'm trying to start a company, but it actually ended up being an interesting trajectory for how we work in our process. Right. So we didn't have a process. We didn't really have a way of working. And we were, you know, like a naive child, just willing to try anything, you know, embracing this thing, which is very common now called Zoom and and working closely with our partners and and really having a a mutual fear, but, but also ambition to figure it out, I think was felt. And we were at a try anything. What do you need? We're here to help mentality. And I think clients felt that. So, you know, not to go through the list of clients, but we ended up working with this Milan client. We did everything virtually. And then other clients started to call. And we had in place a way of getting to them early and often, working with them in a way that was actually helping them figure out a way to work because we were doing it with other clients. And then just having a can-do attitude about everything, I think was blessing in disguise for us and actually, you know, catapulted us past our partners who had to break down a process, right? And then figure out how to rebuild it with tons of people. So we had a little bit of a running start. And I think that will always be in the history of our business. uh, I think one of the key moments that uh, set us apart. And it's to this day, a year and some change later, a part of our process, obviously, and will continue to be. What's brilliant about that is the yoke of what was done wasn't pulling you down. You looked at it and said, just putting it in my words, I don't have a process. I'm going to go do it this way because this is the way we have to do it. It's interesting because that is a big advantage. You're not undoing. You're just doing. That's right. First, if if you're undoing, you got to undo and then you got to figure out what's next. You just said, you know, listen. It's like that old line, you know, from one of the old movies, you know, mom's got drapes, let's put on a play. We've got to be creative. We've got to, got to do it. Let me switch gears because when you talk about, you know, kicking off in January, the pandemic hits, 
everybody from a marketer perspective, the creativity, everybody's got to step back. Everybody's got to say, wait a minute, tone deaf, this, that. Can you, I, I used quick service as one of the great examples. Quick service restaurants would always do beauty shots of food, mm -hmm. the juicy hamburger, the great looking French fries. The pandemic hits and every quick service restaurant, all of that went away. Now you were focusing on frontline workers. You were focusing on the message. You were focusing on that. And so we had that shift that had to happen on a dime. And then just as we felt it's like Jaws 3, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, George Floyd. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then all of a sudden we've got to step back again and we have to be introspective and we have to make sure we're not. And then you co-found Saturday morning. Right. That's right. That's right. So talk to me about that because yeah. I think Saturday morning speaks so much to the world we're living in today. This isn't about woke or asleep. Right. This is about reality. Yeah. This is about what we have to deal with. And I'd love you to spend a few minutes talking about what motivated you. Yeah. So, you know, we started myself and my co-founders Saturday morning in 2016. And look, it's no mystery. These atrocious events that have been happening have been happening well before 2016. It's been brought to bear or brought to light, rather, because of technology and because of the spread of, you know, the information about how these things are happening, people being there and being there at first account are, I think, creating an uproar and, and a level of disgust that is long overdue. The civil rights movement really kicked off because of television. Dr. King was, was brilliant in using television as a means to appeal to white society to say, hey, are you okay with this? Is this okay with you? And they weren't. And it was the merger of you know, the, the civil rights movement and those from white society who were sympathetic enough to do what was necessary to make it an actual movement. And so with Saturday morning, you know, our, we are creatives. We believe that creativity has a role and actually is, in, in my humble opinion, the most powerful force alive when used in the right way it can move mountains. Creativity can move mountains. Well, why can't it be used to help dispel and and shift racial bias? So, Keith, you know, it's kind of like the See Her movement, mm -hmm. okay? The industry has the See Her movement, and the tagline was, you have to see her to be her. Right. If you can't see yourself there or imagine yourself in that circumstance, you probably won't think it's possible. That's right. And that's kind of what you're saying. I mean, if we don't shine a light on it, we don't know what's happening. Just because it's happening over there doesn't mean it's not happening. That is was the impetus for the look, which is the piece we did for Procter & Gamble. We wanted to make a silent film that would translate anywhere in the world about what it feels like to be a black man from the moment you wake up to the moment you get to work. And this, I think the success of that film and everything that came about from it and all the, the people who've written about it and talked about it are intrigued by the fact that we were able to demonstrate racial bias without even saying one word and describing it. Again, that's the power of creativity. So as a goal and a mission of ours, you know, look, we didn't start this to be, we don't consider ourselves an agency. We're essentially a creative consortium, even though we work with brands. And we want to help brands understand how they can use the power of business to shift, shape, and mold 
what's going on in society in the uh, space of racial discrimination. I'm going to really switch gears here because you talk about how strong creative can be to make those missions clearer and to tell the story because we are all in the business of storytelling. I started by mentioning I lost a really good friend last week. He was a very famous lawyer. And I gave a quote to the Wall Street Journal today when they said, what made him a great lawyer? He was a very famous litigator. I said, he was a wonderful storyteller. Yeah. Whether it was at dinner, telling you a story and, and capturing your attention, he had that ability to tell a jury or a judge a story. Yeah. That's what made him successful. He told a story. Yeah. That's a gift. And if you think about that, I'm going to flip and say, we're in a different issue today. We're in the issue of privacy. We're in the issue really switching from what we're talking about now, but talking about the power of creativity. Mm-hmm. I've been saying for quite some time, if we want to educate the community and the consumer on privacy issues and on cookies and all the things that are happening in, in the regulatory space with that yep. issue right now, and the creepy factor of, gee, I have a conversation with Keith Cartwright about American Airlines, and I now get 42 American Airlines ad. How did they know? Right. You know, that that creepy part. Mm-hmm. I think it's incumbent on the creative industry, on the creative agencies, on the creative people in our world to communicate to the clients, to the consumers, why the trade-off is there. Mm-hmm. Is it worth my letting you know more about me so that you can serve me messages that are more relevant to me. Right. Basic principle in marketing, right? It's the same thing. The creative industry has to step up. It's a tribute to you that you did that. Not only a tribute to you because it's your community, it's our community. Right. But again, I go back to see her. If you can't know about it, you can't understand it. Yeah. And the information flow, the information superhighway that we used to call this, this thing called the web, okay, It's the famous line of good news travels fast, bad news travels faster. Mm -hmm. With everybody having body cams and videos everywhere you go, nothing's a secret anymore. Right. You know, it's funny. The the thing that I've learned in my three plus years working Saturday morning, and this, this applies to, I think, all forms of communication. There is most often than not a general good in people. And when we are creating this, these pieces of communication, we are appealing to that general good in people. And, you know, yes, there are those who are misinformed. There are those who are angry for different reasons because they may feel disenfranchised. And then there are evil people. But I think it's such a small, small fraction of the, the global society. And sometimes people just need to hear it differently. And they need to be told the story differently. And again, we're getting very historical and very spiritual, but one of the great quotes from the diary of Anne Frank, one of the most famous stories in history, is that quote that says, at the end of the day, I still believe people are really good at heart. Yeah. From her. She said that. Coming from her. Right. Right. Hiding in a one by one basement, you know, within an inch of her life, which she lost, obviously. But you know, that idea that people are still good, hard to understand it from her perspective and sometimes from yours or mine, but yet you have to keep that nugget of hope. And boy, I could spend Saturday morning and Tuesday afternoon and the rest of the week on this with you, God knows. But I'd like to ask you one sort of final question this morning. And and that is, we've had to learn how to collaborate differently as 
an industry, but as a world. Collaboration touches so many things. From a creative perspective, the ability to be in person, have that war room, get that whiteboard up, drawing stuff on the walls. How has that transferred for you to this environment where we're not yet all the way back? Yeah. But you've had to collaborate differently. And and how has that impacted you from the creative process? Because yeah. people get their creative juices flowing in different ways. Yeah, I, I will start by saying this is not good for creativity. I think we are doing an amicable job as an industry, figuring out how to do it. And I think there's been some some great ideas that have come out in this space. You know, I'm judging some award shows right now. And, you know, there's some stuff from like, wow, they, they pulled that off in this moment. But by no means is this the way we should be working. Now, that being said, I think we have discovered a new tool and a valuable tool and a new way to do business. And I think we're, we're trying to figure out how to be efficient. I still love the idea that we don't need to always be sitting in an office all the time in order to get things done. I think in retrospect, the next five to 10 years, our kids and grandkids are going to think we were crazy to, to get up at nine and, or get up at eight and go to work at nine, be at work at nine and leave at five. It's like, why were you doing that all the time? So I think we're in the evolution of that. But when it comes to creativity, there's a kinetic energy between human beings. There's a synapsis that happens when you're in the same room with each other. I believe that. When there are multiple people in the same room and you're bouncing ideas off and you, you know this, Michael, you know, 8% of communication is nonverbal. So if someone is sitting to the left of me and they're reacting to an idea that's being presented by someone to the right of me, I get impulses from that and input from that. Absolutely. And that lets me know there's something there. You know, I, I always say the strongest business combinations are people who can communicate non-verbally. When I've got a good partner, a good associate, a good collaborator, a good colleague, those with whom I can communicate without speaking are the ones that we get the most done. I can just look at them or they can look at me and you just read somebody quickly. Yeah. And we're all on this planet called Zoom now. Yeah. Even when you're watching, if people are looking down, you know what they're doing. If people are looking over here, you know what they're doing. You can get it, but it's not exactly. Believe me, I understand because I'm an in-person guy. Yeah. I can immodestly work a room as well as anyone I know. And I can also have the room work me pretty well. These rooms are different. Yeah. These rooms are different. That's right. You know, it doesn't mean you can't succeed. It just means it's more challenging. Well, Keith, look. This has really actually been a way more fulfilling conversation than I set out to have with you today. I had a whole different list of questions I was going to ask you, but I'm happy we got to where we got to. Keith Cartwright, I want to thank you for joining. You have a great, great weekend and a great Saturday morning. You too, sir. Talk to you soon. I'm Michael Kasson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 